the fourth chapter of the book of St. John. St. John, the fourth chapter. We'll start reading in the sixth verse. The Bible says, Now Jacob's well was there, Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, And the well is deep, from whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered, and said unto her, Woman, whoso drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water, that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh, when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ, When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man asked, no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. You may be seated. Tremendous passage in the Word of God. 
One I know that is without a doubt in our audience well read, well preached, well taught, well studied. And I thank the Lord for allowing us to come here this morning and open up His blessed treasure and look into this for a few minutes of time. And without a doubt, for many would be a stirring up of our pure minds by way of remembrance. And without a doubt, an opening of the heart and eyes to them that have never looked into this, if you will, as we should. But God help us with just a few minutes of time this morning as we look at this. Jesus was on a journey. And it was up in the day, it was the sixth hour of the day, and he stops by a well. Now he, my friend, has told his disciples that it was necessary that he went through Samaria. He didn't just happenstance to arrive there, but he said, I have needs. I have needs. In the fourth verse, he said, and he must needs go through Samaria. Now, when you stop and consider that this is Jesus, this is God incarnate in the flesh, this is the Son of God, this is the Word of God embodied in the very being of Jesus Christ, and He says, I must needs go through Samaria. You talk about something that was of a necessity, something that had to be, something that could not be changed, something that was going to happen when the Son of God said, I must needs go through Samaria. Uh, Friend, I assure you that he wasn't there, uh, just if you will, uh, frequenting the town, but he was there, I believe, in obedience unto his Father. I believe he was there in obedience unto the Word of God. I believe, my friend, he was going there for the glory of God. And without a doubt, when we many times see services or we, we see different situations and Uh, We get it set up in our mind where things need to happen like this. Listen. Listen to me very closely. Friend, we must be led by the Spirit of God. If we're not led by the Spirit of God, we're led by something else. And many times, I can say this for me, many times I have to combat my own thoughts of religious rhetoric, of religious ideologies, until I get down to the leadership of the Spirit of God. Because if I'm not careful, my friend, I will allow what I see with my natural eye and hear with my physical ear or know in my gray matter to affect my spiritual being on the inside versus being obedient unto the power of God. Friend, when God sent Jesus, when Jesus, being God incarnate in the flesh, went into Samaria, he knew where he was. He wasn't, my friend, just in a place where he just happened to arrive. Do we understand what Samaria is? Samaria was a place, friend, that was seeded by the enemy. Years before this woman ever was, there was a king that brought inhabitants from another land. And he put them in the town of Samaria and my friend to inhabit that place and took out the people that were there. And then years down the road, and my friend, when Israel come out of captivity, they went down there and they started to mingle with the Samaritans. And those of the Jewish sect who lived closest thought that they were the dogs. Mingled people, 
with sin is exactly the way they seem. These people were enemies, if you will. Their, their, their bloodline was not pure. They brought in, my friend, if you will, corruption to the seed of genealogy in the Jewish religion. So they were Samaritans, and that's why that when Jesus was sitting there on the well, and my friend, I imagined it in my mind a few times, how Jesus being God, being the Word of God, sat down there, and my friend, whether he was looking right down the road where she was coming, or if he heard her from a distance, in my heart I thought, well, he was thinking, there she is. There she is. What do you mean, preacher? I tell you, my friend, I believe God knew where she was going to be and when she was going to be there. Preacher, that's just a little bit too much. No. Oh, no, no, no. He said, I must need to go through Samaria. He didn't have to, he could have sat down any other place, my friend. He could have got meat from any other place, but he went there for her. Preacher, I just don't know about that. You don't know the Word of God, friend. I'm not trying to be hard, but I want you to understand, friend. I hope you got you can attribute to a day when that God, my friend, crossed your path. When that God intersected you in your journey. Because Jesus is sitting on this well, and here comes this Samaritan woman. And my friend, and the first thing he says, give me something to drink. And she's marveling, well, what are you doing talking to me? Because it's out of the traditions of men. It wasn't supposed to be that a Jew would ask the Samaritan for anything. But God knew her condition, and God was appealing to her. Let me tell you something from Elizabeth Morrow to Mike Freeman God has appealed to our conditions. And we ought to be thankful that God would even pass by our life, pass by our people's life, pass by our souls and appeal to our condition. Give me something to drink. What are you doing talking to me? And friend, I can promise you this from everybody that's in the house. If you think because you was raised in church, you think because your husband's a preacher or because your daddy was a preacher or because your grandpa was a preacher or because you've been in church all your life that you married anything with God. What in the world are you thinking? Friend, we was all conceived in sin. We were all shaken in iniquity. It's a miracle that God would save anyone else. We have no ground to stand on whatsoever. We have nothing to merit our own condition on. I my friend, except our ruin. And it was him that come to where we were. And he asked us, give me something to drink. It's a marvel that this woman says, what are you doing being a Jew asking anything of me being a Samaritan? Immediately things seemed to be out of order. I don't know about you, but I'm glad when God has put things out of order in my life. I'm glad when he's took my normal and turned it upside down. I like it, my friend, when I go back and I reflect 
when I think that I had everything figured out, that I understood it every bit, that I was at ease, if you will, in Zion. And then along comes the Word of God and turns everything inside out and causes me to look at me. What was she saying in this statement? She was recognizing what she was. She wasn't belittling him as a Jew. She was recognizing her state as a Samaritan. She was acknowledging the fact that she was automatically ranked a little slower in society. Don't worry, she gets lower here in just a few verses. Understand that God would have us sober-minded to where that we would understand completely. Why would he ask anything of me? What, could, what have you got to give to God? What is it that we have obtained that wasn't given by grace? What, what, where, where do you think we could merit any privilege or any honor, my friend, with God because of our own selves? Unless God Almighty gave it, we don't even have it to give back to Him. So how grateful should we be in what we have to give? Oh, God help us. Listen on. The woman cometh of the Samaritan to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples are gone away into the city to buy meat. It's just him and her there. It's just him and her there. And many times in our lives, and God knows I love and I cherish the gathering of the house of God, but I pray that from David to Daryl to all over the house, and my friend, all the way back around the Lord and all the way back up to mine, uh, that we would have some moments here this morning, and uh, my friend, that it's just you, it's just me and God and nobody else. Because see, ultimately, it will be what you and I individually do with the Word of God. Not collectively, not ceremonially, but what we individually do with the Word of God. Listen on. He said, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou being a Jew askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. My goodness gracious, what an acknowledgement of her low degree. What an acknowledgement of him being higher than she is. It wasn't that the Samaritans didn't have anything to do with the, with the Jews. It was that the Jews had nothing to do with the Samaritans. So what's this saying to us today? Sadly, it's like this. There's many times, there are many times in people's lives that the church won't have nothing to do with them that's of the world. We've wrote them off. It ought not be. It ought not be. What sin did Jesus not pay for? What sin was not paid for at Calvary? My friend, that God would give His only begotten Son. And my friend, that, 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 that they that would believe could be saved. My Lord in heaven, what a treasure, what an unspeakable gift. Listen on. Jesus saith unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, if thou knewest the gift of God, that will preach till Jesus comes. Who here this morning, as Brother Jason was a testifying, 
about how full he felt. And I understand this many times in our lives why you feel so full on the inside. And in words, I love you and thank God doesn't seem to relieve the fullness that just keeps springing up. And my friend, it's untold. How in this world can your mind come up with the words to even begin to describe how this unspeakable gift It'll have to be received of ourselves to see it. If thou knewest, if thou knewest the gift of God, what a divine providence. Here is a woman marked off as the offscaring of the world. I need to spend just a little bit of time right here. And I want you to hear this. If you know here, if you've never looked at this scripture in this way before, I hope that God will enlighten your eyes for just a moment. This woman was a woman of Samaria. Okay? Now I want you to understand that there is a starch difference. There is a starch difference in the way that that woman was perceived in the eyes of society. And the way that all women have been perceived in the eyes of your society. What are you talking about? Well, to be quite honest with you, and that your mind can understand this, imagine if it were, if you could comprehend to this degree, that women were considered as value like livestock. Oh, preacher, that's just not the case. Oh, I beg to differ with you. That's exactly the way the women were looked at in those days. They were looked at as livestock. They weren't looked at, my friend, in rare cases in the Bible where you find where that the husband loved the wife. In rare cases where you find, my friend, where men truly loved their wives as their own bodies. Many times, my friend, they were truly counted as stock and cattle. No, preacher, that's not so. I tell you, it is. I do not lie to you. And if you refuse to believe it, it ain't going to change it. But that's exactly the way they were considered. They was always lower than the man. They were always, my friend, to be covered and put back in the shadows. Be into subjection. The hardness of the heart was the heart of men. That's where the writing of divorcement come from. I hate divorce. Don't get me wrong, I hate it. My friend, this woman, even his sister Ruth, you know what she was in the land? My friend, when she come back home and it was her hat to light upon the fields of Boaz, you know what she was in those days? She was a beggar. She was a beggar. She didn't have a home. She didn't have a husband. She didn't have sons. For the very substance of life to survive, she is a beggar. This woman was a shame and disgrace to her own self. Not only has she had five husbands, but she's a Samaritan on top of that. More than likely, she won't die of an old age. She'll die because of the ailments and somebody beating her to death somewhere. Preacher, that's just not the case. You refuse to believe the truth. I can't help you. God would love for us to come to the reality that my friend, women, women in that day was in such a low degree and state. What a blessing. What a joy unspeakable. What a place of glory that God would gather him a bride out of this world. Oh, Lord help us. They've been a few. They've been a few along the way that were loved with their husbands. 
There have been a few along the way that respected their husbands. There have been a few along the way, my friend, that was in order according to the Word of God, but most of the time it's out of order. Even in today's society, many wives do not live in subjection to their husbands. Some of you sitting here, you don't live in subjection to your husbands. Some of your husbands live in subjection to you. This ought not be. That's, that's out of order. It'll bring trouble to your life. Well, preacher, that's just too hard. No, no, understand something, my friend. It's not a place of shame and degradation, my friend, but it's a place of unity. It's a place of increase. It's a place of real, true, genuine, heavenly strength of God. Why, preacher? Because we are nothing in ourselves. The only way to be anything is to be a new creature in Christ. Listen on to the Word of God. Oh my, listen. He said, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink. Do we understand? Are we aware that when it's been God, not the man that's on his feet preaching, not the man that was on his feet teaching, my friend, but when the Word of God come by our lives, were you aware that this wasn't the words of man? But lo and behold, God ordained your life, caused you to enter into a place where you thought you'd have one of your needs met. And lo and behold, the great need maker, and my friend was sitting there waiting on you. If thou knewest, oh, do we realize where we're at? Do we realize what we hold in our lap? Do we realize how frail in conscience we really are without God? Listen. And who it is that said to thee, give me the drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Oh my goodness. If we would have known the day and hour and the times of our lives then, and everything that was going to happen in the events, there's lots of us would look back in the days that we have lived. Oh, I wished I would have known. I'd like to have that to do over one more time. Regret. Well, preacher, I don't have no regrets. You're not honest with yourself. There's regret in every last one of our lives. Look back and think, oh, I should have done this. Oh, I should have never done that. Our minds filled with the regret of memory of the love that God above. I, I could have done this different in my days. If thou hadst known who it is that's reaching for your life, thou would said, give me a drink of living water. Let me ask you something. Have a reality in your heart. Have a reality in your soul. Do you know? Do you know that He's reached you a cup of everlasting life and you drank? Most of the time it's like this. Days pass. Would you have a drink? Here it is. And it's offered, and it's offered, and it's offered, and it's offered. Now we want everybody to think we've drunk it down. 
We drunk it down and it's in us. Remember now, it's just Jesus here. And it's just you. You've come in the middle of the day. Preacher, I don't have nothing to be ashamed of like that woman. You're in hell and don't know it. You're in hell and don't know it. Because I can promise you this. You do not have, I do not have the ability to pay for one sin. You can't pay for one sin. You can't pay for that high society look down our nose at somebody. We can't look, my friend, for thinking of ourselves to be something when we're nothing. We can't pay for a single sin. And there sits the cup. And it's offered of life. And we want everybody to think why we've got a hold of that with both hands and drink it every bit down. Well, let me tell you something, friend. When this living water, when this living water, when this living water gets on the inside of your life, I wish I had more strength. When this living water gets on the inside of your life, it's going to change everything about you. Your husband's got a brand new wife. Your wife's got a brand new husband. You got a brand new sister, a brand new brother. When this living water. Now when we drink water into our bodies, most time we like it cold. That body, that water is going to sit inside your body until your body labors to bring it up to temperature. 98.6. And then it can be absorbed and taken into the body. Oh, but how good it tastes nice and cold going down. And then it just sits there. It sits there, my friend, until it can get usable by the body. And then, my friend, it's carried out through the blood cells. My friend, into the very muscles and capillaries and tendons and bones and strengthens and refreshes you as a being. Hear me, please, I pray. This one is not for your body, but it's for your soul. Has your soul drunk down in the living water of God? It'll change your life. I've dug back in these mountains. Throw out some rocks. Move some leaves. Let that pool drain. Let it wash all the metal away. Get down. Get me a little drink. And oh, how my body's thankful. I drank the last drop out of a canteen of water. Me so hot I couldn't hardly spit. My body's drenched in sweat. Finally get to where I could get some water and feel tremendously refreshed. Maybe you can identify with that cold water touching your lips, almost hurting your teeth. You can feel it go down. And it goes down, you can feel it hit your stomach. Nice cold water, body hot, 
and how refreshing it feels. I wish I had the words. This living water, it's bringing life to where something's dead. I wish I had the words of this living water. I can promise you this, if you ever drink it, there's nothing to be compared to it. He's more than anybody ever told you. And they were some enemies. After Abraham died, he had some enemies. And they went over there to the wells that Abraham had dug, and they filled them up full of dirt and stones. His son Isaac and then Isaac's sons Jacob, my friend, they had to come back through there and dig out what them people had thrown in the well. Now many times in our lives I fear that people's in this same condition. Somebody has filled your well full of things in this world. And I pray that God Almighty would pass by your life, get you down on your hands and knees, and go to digging because you believe there's some water down in there that can help those that you love. That's another message I need to run on. Thank God for the liberty to preach His Word. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Didn't understand it. Couldn't perceive it. Couldn't comprehend it. Doesn't add up. Doesn't make sense. First of all, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. First of all, you're pure, and I'm polluted. And you're asking me of water, and I can tell you don't have nothing to draw with, and how are you going to bring up this living water? My friend, those things that are flesh are flesh, and those things that are spirit are spirit. And he's fixing to tell her here in just a minute, Remind her again that they that worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Might I testify right there for just a minute. That is a rarity in the days I live. What are you talking about, preacher? When you can see a band of people come together as rocks in a wall, tempered with the mortar of the Holy Ghost of heaven, and be a habitation unto God through the Spirit and glorify the name of God. You know what happens and runs through many people's minds? Well, preacher, I would. But all this is going on and that's going on and that's... And let, me, let me remind you of something. And I need to get back to the book and I want to preach and God knows my heart. I've been begging Him to let me preach with charity, charity, charity because He's speaking to this woman with charity unmeasured, unmeasurable charity. Read Corinthians 13th chapter. You can't do that without Jesus because it is Christ in us. But let me run. We say we can't worship because of this. And 
We can't. Let me tell you something. And be reminded of this. The last supper. My Savior enjoyed with his servants. Them he chose out of this world. I'm after them that were called his disciples. I'm after the last time he got to eat with them. There's the devil there too. Did it prevent him from eating? Did it prevent him from drinking? No. I tell you what, we need to get our focus back on the Lamb of God. And get it off of this one, get it off of that, and we need to come back to the place of the house of Joshua and say, as far as for me in this house, I'm going to serve the Lord. Let's run. He says, Art thou greater, she says to him, Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well? And drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh this water shall thirst again. Now this woman has got some religious ideas. This woman is able to call Jacob her father. Now I'm sure that would have angered many of the Jews in Jerusalem should they hear this Samaritan call Jacob her father. But regardless, she was able to. Though she may have been a half-breed, I'm friend raised up in his enemy city, but she still, I'm friend was able to call Jacob her father. She had been exposed to some religious ways. She even goes on and she perceives that thou art a prophet. And she says that even when Messiah cometh, he shall, which is called Christ, he shall teach us all things. So she had in her mind some religious thinking. I think she was looking for Jesus as much as Jesus was looking for her. How do you know, preacher? Because I've seen it on some of many people's faces. They're looking for something. What do you mean? I've been in church all my life. Preacher, what do you think I'm looking for? These people that's sitting right here right now, I, by the testimony of God, I believe I've seen the Word of God appeal to your heart. I believe I've seen God set down on the well of your life. The place wherein you believe you can get what you need to sustain you. I believe I've seen Jesus set right down on your well. And you've been in debate with him, just like this woman right here. But what's so bewildering is she went back and had something to say. And many times I've seen Jesus sit down on the well of people's lives and they have nothing to say. What does this say? You didn't believe the report. You wanted everybody to think you got to cut both hands and drink it down, but you never had anything to say. The Bible teaches us plainly and openly that we should always be ready to give a reason of the hope that lies within us. We should always be ready for that. You'll find that in the book of Peter or James, if my mind serves me right. It's in one of the two. I believe it's in James, though I want to say First Peter. But it's, the Bible says that we should always be ready to give a reason of the hope that lies within us. And then the Bible also says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let me tell you something, friend. If your soul 
has ever been privileged to pick up the cup of life and take us up. And my friend, your soul has been able to delight itself in the fatness of the Word of God. I tell you what, my friend, that well of living water is going to spring up inside you and you're going to have it to say. You can't stop it. It is like a mighty rushing wind and water. Let us run. So she has got a, 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 a religious heritage, so to speak, that she's trying to cling to a little bit here. And drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle. And Jesus answered and said, Whosoever drank of this water shall thirst again. I tell you what, there's a many a soul thirsty that's sitting in the house of God right now. They're thirsty for the living water of God. Oh, they know about the religious Bibles. They know about our religious services. They understand. But as far as drinking the living water of God, it's never occurred. They went through every bit of the motions, but it's never occurred. You think about all the religious ceremonies that the soul of Tarsus, without a doubt, had to have went through. You think, my friend, about what he had to forget and count as nothing and as dumb that he might win Christ. And there's people that's not willing to forsake all and run after Jesus to have this well of living water. Listen on. He says, I will give him, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. She's wanting something. My friend, still carnally minded, religiously minded. She's still, my friend, wanting her need met but she still is blind to the need that God has come to meet. Yes. There's people who bring their needs to the house of God and they get so focused on this need but they don't realize that God is trying to meet the real need in their life. Do you see what I'm saying? We can't listen to the doctor because we know more than the doctor. We can't take the medicine because we're convinced we do not need it. Listen on. The woman said unto her, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus said unto her, Go, call thy husband and come hither. Call thy husband. Now, first of all, if you want to, the first part of this is a little bit of introduction of who I am and what I can do and who I am and what I'm here for. My friend, and now Jesus is appealing to her real situation. He knows all about her. Go call your husband. Go call your husband. In your mind's eye, what just occurred in the physical of this conversation? Jesus is sitting there on the well. And she's standing there to come to draw. And they've been talking back and forth. And then he said, go call thy husband. What do you think happened next? I believe she done this. How do you know, preacher? I did. I did. I had to drop my head. Why? Because I was guilty. Guilty. Preacher, I'm not listening to me. If you'll have it, we were all dead. 
We were dead because of adultery. We were dead because of murder. We were dead because of stealing. We were dead because of covetousness. We were dead. You can't raise one above the other. You're guilty of the least. You're guilty of the whole. We were all guilty. Amen, oh me. Amen, oh me. She dropped her head. Preacher, the Bible don't say that. I can't help but believe it. Why? Because that's what happened to me. Go call thy husband and come hither. Go get your husband and come back. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. There are people today who believe, my friend, that in the end of their days, at the end of time, they're on their way to heaven to a marriage supper of the Lamb. Oh, they're going to be a feast of praise over there, but there ain't going to be no wedding over there. You better get married to Jesus in this life. Yes. If you're not already married, my friend, unto the Son of God, you are doomed and damned and headed to hell. Thou hast well said, I have no husband. I tell you what, they are men that's in this world that's never known a wife. And I don't mean because they didn't go through the ceremonies of getting married. They are women that's in this world that has never known a husband. And that doesn't mean that they didn't go through the ceremony of saying, I do and I will. They still never known a husband. What are you saying? Because what we call a husband is a husband? Let me tell you something, my friend. Christ charged me to love her as he loved the church. And gave himself for it. He charged her to be in subjection to me. Even as Abraham called was called Lord by his wife, Sarah. There's an order of things. And when those things are out of order, I tell you, my friend, you can't expect God to bless. It'll never happen. It'll never happen. Thou hast well said, thou hast no husband. I tell you what, we like to many times blame it every bit upon this woman. God knew her full condition. And God came by her life. I'm glad she didn't get run off by the disciples. I'm glad, my friend, that, 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 that it was set up exactly the way it was, that this was God, my friend, appealing unto her, and the religious rhetoric crowd wasn't there to run her off. Preacher, that's just too hard. Is it? Is it? Let me tell you something. In my heart, I had to call a man brother with who he had not been a brother to me at all. I had to call a woman's sister that I didn't believe she was saved whatsoever. Well, then what are you doing calling a brother and sister? My hope is that God will save all my... So what is it? It's an act of faith. It's an act of hope and confidence. That sure, their lives may have been in shambles, but yes, God's able to fix it. No, preacher, not that. It's gone too far. Maybe for your God, but not for this one. Not for this one right here. I tell you, my friend, he took a tabernacle of sin and he cleaned it up and moved in. Made it a brand new creature in Christ. 
how do you know? Well, the first thing you done is you put a well of living water springing up on the inside of it. And after a while, it gets full like it did with Jason this morning and had to run out a while. God, help our hearts, my friend, to realize what God can do. Thou hast well said, Thou hast no husband, for thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now is not thy husband, in that thou saidest truly. What do you think happened then? I believe her head dropped again. I believe she was horribly ashamed of her condition. I know I would have been. I know I have been. My friend, and was some of this sin her fault? Indeed, indeed. Was some of this sin her husband's fault? Indeed, indeed. How can you say that, preacher? They twain shall be one. This is the word. This is the word. I tell you what, my friend, we need to be sober and understanding in our hearts that God sent His Son into this world to save sinners. And as it says, and such were some of you, but you are washed, but you are cleansed. So if God's able to wash the murderer and the adulterer and the fornicator and the idolater and, and, and all of those, well, why would we limit God? Why would we say it can't be? Why would it, why? Well, preacher, I, has it sequestered our, our, our work of faith? Has it imprisoned our hopes of God changing somebody's life? Have we got to the place, friend, in the journey of our days, my friend, that there are some that we just refuse to accept and or to pray for? I tell you, friend, God is abundantly able to change all our lives. Preacher, I don't need much changing. I beg to differ with all of us. I can tell you right now, I've got a lot of room to grow. I've got a lot of room to be filled up by. There's a message about being filled by God. It's amazing. But I can promise you this. When we get rid of what we don't need, when we start cleaning out the house and really excluding those things from our lives that we just thought we needed and get rid of them and then start getting filled up full of God, we got a lot of room. Let, let me hurry. I need to get on down to what, what we need to preach on for a little bit longer here. He said, Jesus said in the 18th, For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, and that thou saidest, saidest thou truly. The woman saith unto her, Sir, I perceive... Thou art a prophet. Okay. Now all of the appealing to the heart in the situation has occurred. All the introductions, all the authority, all the exposing now is clear. And now she comes to the place that I perceive thou art a prophet. Because he knew so much about her. Now she is responding to him. Friend in our hearts when the word of God comes, how much do we really and truly in our souls respond to God? Because we fear, are we responding to Mike? Are we responding to David? Are we responding? How about responding to God? Listen on. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Here she is now. 
She's recognizing that he's a prophet and she's still leaning to her religious ideologies, her religious rhetoric. She's still clinging to that. I like what Jesus just now says. He's removing every bit of the socialized religion in one breath. I like when God does this. Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You know what she's notifying him? You know what he's notifying her of? God's moving out of this place. God is no more going to set his seal here. Oh, there's people today that, that still believe that Jerusalem is, uh, is the holy lands and God's going to set up this over there and rule and reign. Really, brother? He just told her there ain't nobody going to worship God over there. That's what Jesus just said. But what did he say? He began to deal with what he come there to fix. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Here I believe that God, Jesus, the Word, is speaking to the born again. Not just the law and the Levitical priesthood, because you'll never hear the law bringing in salvation, it just brings in condemnation. But salvation is of the Jews. Listen on. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Welcome to the cup of living water. Welcome to the bread of salvation. God would have us to know that, my friend, that in the days of our life, in the journeys as we live, that we, as God's people, have worshipped God in spirit and in truth. Not just said under the word and said, boy, that's a good message. Amen, that's right. That's the truth. Did we worship? Did we lift God up? Was our faculties in subjection to the point of obedience to what the Spirit saith unto the churches? To where that our lives was a ready instrument for the service of God. Listen on. God is the Spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh. She's looking for the Messiah. And what does she say? Which is called Christ. How many times have you heard us say that Christ wasn't Jesus' last name as we understand last names, but it is what He was and who He is. We know that Messiah cometh, which is the Christ. And what does it say? When He is come, He will tell us all things. My goodness gracious, how many people still looking for God to come and are talking to Him? How many times in your life have you been looking for God to do something for you and doing something for you and doing something for you and He's talking to you? If thou knewest the gift of God, friend, you live, move, and have you being according to His mercies. You didn't arrive on your own, but God's granted it to us. So it's God speaking to us and if God's speaking to us and this is the dark last days we'll ever live, surely He's got something for us to do. 
Point somebody to Calvary. Stand in the presence and the congregation of the righteous. Be able to lift holy hands and cry, My God, my God, how great thou art! But we've been kept by our own hand. Our accomplishments are according to the sweat of our own brow instead of to the glory of God. Listen on. Jesus said unto her, I that speak with thee unto thee am he. My goodness gracious friend. Now if God took time in a day's journey to must needs go by Samaria, sit upon a well, wait for a woman, here she comes, he speaks to her. Do you think God's got anything to say to you? Do you think that God would come by your life to impress your heart, to meet the real need of your soul? Has He? Has He set up on the well of the water of your substance, of your existence? I am what I am by the grace. Has the Son of God sit on that well today? And ask you, offered. Listen, here's the evidence. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith unto the men, Come see a man which told me all things ever I did. Is not this the Christ? How much thought have you given in to her conversation with these men? Now she was known without a doubt by many as a harlot, as an adulterous woman, but she goes back and speaks to the men. To the men. She didn't go back and speak to the women. The Bible says she went back and spoke to the men. And this woman that they had considered to be useless God had one of his prophets, Amos, to go and take a wife of the harlots. Lover. He bought her back. She was on an auction block standing naked before everybody. And he purchased her. He bought her back. Yeah, but, but preacher, God did that so that Israel would see. And you've never been in that condition? I beg to differ, friend. We've all been there. If not so, look up, run this reference today. Sold. All you have to do is run that reference and see where that word applies and is applicable to your existence. The word S-O-L-D, sold. I can tell you what, I can identify with it. Listen on. My friend, this woman told these men and they believed what she had to say. When they probably hadn't believed her before. But now, my friend, they believe what she's got to say. There was some evidence of what she had heard. Let me ask you something. Is there some evidence from people in the world, not people around the house of God, 
Is there some evidence from people in the world that there's a well of living water inside you? These men believe this woman. And they come back out there to see. Where is this Messiah? I want to see him. Dear friend, they ought to be people in this world. Not the religious crowd. Not them we've known and indoctrinated with the actions of our emotions. But I mean the stranger. Them that my friend are from a land that don't know the, the Jews. A land that doesn't know the people of God. They ought to be a witness in their life that God put something in us. She convinced them. They come to see so let me ask you something. Are there some real evidence springing up on the inside of you that you've even talked to Jesus? This is a hard one. This is an adulterous woman. But I tell you what, she had some evidence that she had been speaking to Jesus. Have we got that evidence in us? Let us rest from our seats. There's a cup of living water here if you want it. It's free.